It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. On your Monday episode of Locked on Raptors, it was an 0-2 weekend for your Toronto Raptors, but can you really be that mad when Scotty Barnes is looking like this? Oh, like because when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, October the 30th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that doesn't work anymore at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors and Of course, you can find the show and our community around the show over on Discord. The link is in the description of the podcast each and every day. If that's expired, shoot me a DM. I'll get you the link. It's free to join, and it's an awesome, awesome community we got building around the show. Really great spot to be during games. That's where I'm kind of hanging out most of the time. You know, there will be the odd tweet here and there that I want to get out there for the whole public consumption. But for the most part, I'll be dropping my thoughts on games and sort of quick reactions and analysis in the Discord, kind of flexing my old blog muscles in there a little bit over the weekend. So come hop in. Uh, We'd love to see you in there again. Free to join. It's a great little community we got building around the podcast. You can also find the show for free wherever you get your shows on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, as long as that's existing. Existing. I think it's gone in 2024, but still, if you're a, a hanger on to the Google the Google podcast game, you can go find the show there. We're also on YouTube. Hit the big red subscribe button over there or whatever color your browser presents the subscribe button to be. Press it and you will have the show each and every day right served to the top of your feed on YouTube. Would love to see you over there in the comments and stuff like that, too. Okay, 
Let's get to it. On today's show, we're breaking down an 0-2 weekend for your Toronto Raptors, which included a very nasty, no-good loss to the Chicago Bulls on Friday. Uh, you know, frankly, a wildly entertaining way to spend a Friday night for a neutral observer. Obviously, it was some hair pulled out stuff for Toronto Raptors fans, but uh, there was some good to pull from that game as well. Uh, we'll dig into that loss and sort of some of the things, some of the pullaways from that things that went wrong that might be kind of greater symptoms of what's going on with the team right now, specifically on offense. We will get into, uh, you know, Scotty Barnes and Grady Dick and some excellent performances over the weekend against the Sixers and that loss, which I think was a pretty valiant effort, all things considered. And we got, of course, the good, the bad and the hmm to round things out. And so, look, let's start here. Losing two games stinks. You never want to start one and two. Losing that Bulls game the way they lost that Bulls game stinks they have the worst half-court offense in the nba to the toronto raptors so far it's very bad and they're doing this despite getting extremely above what you'd expect from three-point range they're not rebounding very well the bench is still leaving plenty to be desired the contract statuses of pascal siakam and og ananobi and gary trent jr are putting this cloud of murkiness that's very difficult to cut through over the entire team and none of that really matters to me because through three games, Scotty Barnes is averaging 21, 9, and 7 on 62.5% true shooting while leading the NBA in defensive win shares as of yesterday morning when I last checked his basketball reference page. That, to me, is the thing that matters here. And then you sprinkle in as well that their next most important young guy, Grady Dick, looked like a real contributor on a team that badly needs exactly what he brings to the table in that game on Saturday. He goes for 16 points, goes four of six for six from deep, plays 25 minutes, closes in a tight game. That is the stuff that matters from this weekend. Yes, you can get mad about being one and two and you know things not looking super rosy and all of that, but man, oh man, Scotty Barnes looks incredible. Let's start with him. I, I mean... He's kind of doing it in every single way. And look, the offseason, I was notably skeptical about the Scotty leap and the shape it would take. I thought he would get better for sure. I was concerned about the idea of kind of pigeonholing him into a point guard role. They have not done that yet. And I think that has been to his service. I think he's been awesome in all the different ways he can kind of impact the game. He's doing it on post-ups. He's doing it on in-rhythm catch-and-shoot threes, even one-dribble pull-ups. That's been super fun, too. Uh, he's getting downhill. He's obviously been a total menace in transition, and he's also leveled up on the defensive end to the point that he is like leading the NBA in block percentage through three games. It's been scintillating stuff to watch from Scotty Barnes. And again, I, I thought the challenge for him was leveling up in a whole bunch of areas that needed leveling up while doing so in a team context is not exactly conducive to him kind of flexing his muscles and reaching the full sort of top end of his potential. And it still seems as though he's just kind of powering through all those concerns, right? Like his mid-range game is back beyond where it was as a rookie. Again, it's three games. We'll see if this holds up, but he's getting to his spot seemingly really easily. He seems stronger. He seems obviously well, way more well-conditioned. And I think that's kind of been the biggest change here, right? He's got the legs for his jump shot. He has the legs and the sort of uh, the energy to push it off of every single rebound he grabs it's been very intentional, and it's been very, very fun to watch for Scotty Barnes. Um, you know, you're going to see growing pains. We saw him in that Bulls game, that awful turnover to the end of regulation that cost them the game, right? He had seven turnovers in that game. 
But guess what? He's 22 years old and he's stepping into a wildly new role with an increased usage and an increased role within the team. And there are going to be growing pains and mistakes along the way. You live with those if he's going to get, again, go an average 21, 9, and 7 on north of 62% three, uh, true shooting. That is really, really excellent stuff. That's star stuff. That's star stuff. It's great. It's three games. We don't know if it's going to continue, but the early signs when you couple it with the preseason where he looked fantastic are really, really encouraging. And I don't think he's doing anything necessarily that feels super unsustainable. Yeah, he's shooting like incredibly well from the long mid range right now. It's on very small volume. You know, it's not going to be that he shoots this well all the time from mid range, but he's getting to the rim more often. 40% of the time he's getting to the rim for his shot attempts this season. That's up from 38% last year, 36% as a rookie. That's a positive sign, especially when you consider that, Teams are going to care more about Scotty Barnes or are caring more about Scotty Barnes and the threat of him getting to the rim. You would think he might run into more pack line defenses the way Pascal Siakam sees, but he's getting to the rim regardless. And he's got the mid range game to kind of bail him out if needed. And the odd catch and shoot threes that he's pouring in are really, really nice to see. They're coming from above the break. He hasn't even shot a corner three yet. Uh, he looks set and comfortable and square when he's putting those up. He's not doing anything over the top, super audacious with those threes, but everything just looks in control. He looks more in control. He looks like he can kind of command games, and it's been really awesome. Again, the conditioning feels like the game changer for him because he just seems to have the energy to be the Scotty Barnes we've seen in flashes in his first couple seasons for longer stretches of games, and it has been Freaking awesome. I don't know. It's really exciting. I'm having an awesome time watching Scotty Barnes. And if, in fact, I was wrong in my skepticism from the offseason and he continues this through the year, I will happily eat a gigantic bowl of crow and be very gleeful about it. Just smiling away, eating my crow. Um, Grady Dick, let's quickly touch on him as well, because I think he kind of goes into this theme of the things that really matter from this weekend. And Grady Dick getting into that game against the Sixers on Saturday. And playing 25 minutes, closing again in a tight game just because the space he offered was incredibly value, valuable. Uh, obviously, going four of six, those three start, starting to fall really great. I never had any doubt that was going to happen. He's an excellent shooter. The form is unbelievable. The release point is super high. The release is super quick. It's really, really nice to see a guy who's just a pure shooter on this team. They have not had many of those over the years. Gary Trent Jr. dabbles in it sometimes. Obviously, OG Ananobi's been a very serviceable three-point shooter. But Grady Dick just like embodies, don't let me get a wide-open look because I'm going to put it in. And that is a very refreshing thing to see on this team. Yeah, the defense is not where you want it to be in like a one-on-one -on -one sense necessarily. You know, it's tough. You know, he was oftentimes one of the two guys double teaming Joel Embiid in this game. So like you can only do so much there. A um, little foul trouble here and there. He picked up five fouls, I think, in the game. But overall, his team defense, his smarts, his understanding of, you know, again, passing the knows where to stand test, super duper encouraging. And all the other stuff, all the other noise that's going on, the team not looking super great out of the gate, you know, concerns about the system and the offense. And, uh, you know, are they going to, you know, kind of continue on looking like a lot like they did last season in a lot of respects? Doesn't matter. Scotty Barnes, Grady Dick look awesome. And whatever the long term sort of future plans are for this team, you know, those two dudes are going to be involved. And the fact that they're looking this good early on not only means good things long term, but eventually those two dudes looking good early on will make this year's team coalesce a little bit more effectively one would think and we'll get into some of the stuff that needs to happen to help this team coalesce more effectively 
coming up in just a moment. We're going to dig into Pascal Siakam, of course, one of the things that has not been awesome so far this season, averaging just over 14 points a game, true shooting under 50%. He's hitting his threes, but he's not doing a ton else. But I don't really think that's on Pascal Siakam. It's on the role he's being asked to play. We're going to get into a sort of reimagining of what Pascal Siakam's role has been so far. Of course, we got the good, the bad, and the hmm coming up at the end of the show as well. Before we dive into talking Pascal, though, I should tell you about our good friends over at Prize Picks. We're just simply the very best place to go and play daily fantasy sports. It's super fun and super intuitive. You don't have to go up against some sort of shadow expert in this daily fantasy setup. You're not, you know, it's not someone who's running algorithms and setting a lineup that you have no idea what it even is to try to compete with. No, it's just you against the projections. A beautiful thing. It's what it should be. Prize Picks has the stat projections for all the players, and all you got to do is pick more or less on those stats for two to six players, and you can win up to 25 times your money if you get all six on a six-player entry correct. It's that simple. You know, for example, maybe you have Scotty Barnes, or you know, he's putting up a lot of points, a lot of rebounds, a lot of assists. Maybe the 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 more or less projection is set at 20 and a half. Maybe you just take them more, and maybe you're going to get yourself a little scratch for picking that correctly with Scotty Barnes as he continues to level up within this offense. So go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that is prizepicks.com slash NBA. Use the code LOCKEDONNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix is daily fantasy sports made easy. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we continue on here. Your first listen of the day. Thanks so much for tuning in, hanging out, being along for the ride. We'll be back to, of course, the daily grind over the course of this whole week. Tonight, by the way, Vivek Jacob and I are going to go live after the game against the Blazers. Uh, We'll try to do this a little bit more regularly. It's not going to be an every game type of thing this season, but a little more often we'll try to come at you right after games to hit you right where you're waiting for it. And uh, Vivek will be along for that. That should be a ton of fun. Not a ton of fun so far has been Pascal Siakam and his sort of role within this Raptors offense. It's obviously very different. And I think justifiably, right? I think it's time to see if Scotty Barnes has the juice to be the dude. And so far through three games, he very much has the juice to be the dude around which this whole team orbits. And that has, of course, come at the expense of Pascal Siakam, who over the last four years has been the dude and has done that to pretty good effect in a lot of cases. Right. Um, You know, obviously there were sort of symptomatic issues with the team that came from Pascal being this sort of heliocentric force on the team. The lack of space around him didn't lead to great shots when he would kind of do his probing pick and roll drive game and that type of stuff. But he was still very good at all of that. And while the sort of 
viewing of the offense wasn't exactly pleasant. You could argue that was maybe the best way to milk as many points out of the half court as the Raptors could possibly lean on in the last couple seasons. And so it's a stark change, right? Now we're seeing Pascal Siakam work away from the ball quite a bit, very often just being asked to be there as a spacer. And hey, credit to him, he's hitting his three so far. And that to me is a really encouraging sign you know, for whatever this offense is going to look like, if Pascal Siakam can hit 35 to 40% of his threes and actually be a real relevant spacing option and a guy who can make teams pay if they're going to collapse down on Scotty Barnes or ignore Siakam in order to sort of take care of things elsewhere, that's awesome. That's fantastic. That is a huge, huge lift to this team. And over the long haul is going to be a thing that helps just perk up that half-court offense just a little bit from the spot where it is right now. But I don't think they're using Pascal Siakam in a way that is super conducive to his success, nor do I think they're using him in a way that's conducive to the overall health of the offense either. Again, you know, there's one ball, but there are a lot of possessions in a basketball game. Scotty Barnes ain't going to run all 100 possessions they, they run in a game. There's room for other guys to get in the mix. And so far, a lot of that's been Dennis Schroeder. He's been really, really heavy on the ball, uh, running the half court, running pick and roll, stuff like that. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be as bad as it has been so far this season for Dennis Schroeder as the lead creator for this team. But so far, it has been really bad. Uh, pulling up from the NBA tracking data, which is still very early days, obviously. This is very noisy. But Dennis Schroeder running pick and roll as a ball handler per NBA.com. The Raptors on 21 possessions with Dennis Schroeder as a pick and roll ball handler have a 0.24 points per possession clip. 0.24. That is awful a point every four possessions you can't be having that that is really really grim he's shooting one out of six in those 21 possessions uh he's shooting so far this season 36 percent at the rim really grim scene 17 percent for mid-range also a very grim scene he just cannot get anything to fall from two-point range right now and it clutters up what the raptors are trying to do and i think the single biggest example of this is maybe the critical play or the critical play, the play that ended up deciding the game on Friday night in Chicago in overtime, late in the game, the Raptors are up, what was it, 103-101. And you have on the right side of the floor, Dennis Schroeder and Scotty Barnes trying to run a pick and roll, trying to get something going. That was the go-to play on that possession. That was not a possession that was designed at all for Pascal Siakam to go and do his late game creation thing, which has been obviously a thing they've leaned on quite a bit in the past to, of course, middling results. This game, they 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 try to run the Scotty Dennis pick and roll, and nothing came of it. They just could not produce an advantage out of that play on the right side of the floor. Pascal Siakam is waiting over on the left wing as just an outlet, as a guy that the ball could swing to if and when that action failed to produce something. And 17 seconds into the shot clock, 18 seconds into the shot clock, that has yet to produce something. And so it swings over to Pascal Siakam to reset and try to do something. Of course, it swings over to Pascal Siakam and Alex Caruso, one of the best steals hunters in the NBA. And of course, one of the guys who gets away with the most contact in the NBA, which is fine, whatever he's earned it. Uh, he swipes the ball from Pascal. Pascal, you know, doesn't have a chance to create some sort of switch in that situation because there's no time on the clock and he gets stripped. Obviously, you don't want to get stripped in that spot. It's bad, but the possession fell apart because Dennis Schroeder, as the lead man in a Scotty Barnes, Dennis Schroeder pick and roll, couldn't turn the corner, couldn't gain an advantage, and the defense just does not care about Dennis Schroeder as a shooting option. 
on the pull-up. They're going to go under that screen every single time. He's shooting 16% so far this season on pull-up three-point attempts. That is not far off from his career average in the sort of mid to high 20s as a pull-up guy on very low volume. Teams do not care about Dennis Schroeder as a pull-up guy. They might start to care about him as a catch-and-shoot guy, though, right? Because he is bombing away from deep, not just accurately shooting like 53% right now, but he's putting up 6.3 threes a game, which is well above what I expected for our over-unders episode last week. I set the over-under for Schroeder at 4.0 threes attempted per game. He's blowing that out of the water. I'm going to lose that point, and I'm already very mad about it. And that has been awesome. That's been fantastic. He looks like he's ready to put him up. He's very eager. He's not dancing around with the ball. He's not thinking about, oh, should I drive it here? Should I do something else? No. It hits him in the hands. He's putting it up, and that's been fantastic. One of the most exciting and I think unexpected parts of the early part of the season. And so for me, I think I would like to see more Pascal on the ball as a pick-and-roll pick creator. And yes, that might lean further back into the stuff that people didn't love to see last year, where you kind of have him maybe hunting mismatches, you have him kind of doing his probing thing where it's not quote-unquote 0.5 offense. By the way, we need to retire this phrase. It means nothing already. It's just been totally misused, and the meaning of it has ceased to exist. Uh, 0.5 offense is great. Uh, scoring points is better, I would say, than sort of living up to some sort of uh, you know ethereal ethos of your team. And again, you can still play 0.5 offense playing with a standard pick-and-roll operator like Pascal Siakam. It just might take a different shape, but he's a guy who like, he can make quick and good decisions whilst in the middle of these probing drives, and that can still qualify as 0.5. The decision he makes is, I'm going to run a pick and roll and drive, and then all the other decisions flow from there. It can still be part of a healthy, functional, good offense. You don't just got to run elbow actions and split actions to have a 0.5 offense. And I think Pascal Siakam, while he's not maybe the most quick to make a, a quick read, get downhill and make the first pass he sees, He's processing things all the time. And the issue that happened last year with Pascal running pick and roll was more so that there was nothing going on away from the ball. It was kind of him going into a thicket of arms and being forced to put up mid-range jumpers, not a whole lot of action going on away from the ball, not nearly enough shooting on the floor. They don't have a ton of shooting, but they have more shooting this year as far as role player shooting goes than they had last season. And I think there's a way to sort of get a little bit more juice out of the offense if you just kind of flip the roles of Schroeder and Siakam. I think Siakam running pick and roll with Jakob Pertl, very exciting to me. You know, there's been a little bit of chemistry issues so far with Pertl and Dennis Schroeder. And I think a, a big part of that is Schroeder's so dependent on the bounce pass and the pocket pass. Jakob Pertl's so great at keeping the ball up high, right? If you can find someone who can throw the pass over the defense into the waiting arms of Jakob Pertl, he's so good at keeping it high, floating it up, putting in a lay-in, whatever it is, and not bringing it down and having it risk getting swatted away or just, you know, a kickball, a loose ball squirts away, whatever. I think that's a pretty interesting way to not only increase the effectiveness of Pascal Siakam, but also get Jakob Pertl kind of back feeling like himself as well. A thing we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show too when we get to the hmm. Um, I also just think that if you have Dennis Schroeder as a spacing option, you're getting just about the same effect as a Pascal Siakam in that spot but you're not having the issue where defenses are just unconcerned about Schroeder. And Schroeder also, like, he doesn't have great counters to punish teams when they go under the screen. Again, he's hitting nothing from mid-range so far. He's got this floater that he seems very married to that kind of has been very bad so far, and he's never been a good rim finisher. Again, a worse rim finisher last season, 
uh, than Fred Van Vliet was. It's just not part of his repertoire. And so I don't think teams are really concerned with him as the lead creator in a pick and roll. Siakam just has a lot more stuff he can do to make a defense think. And yeah, you might get into a situation if you're running, say, Scotty and Pascal pick and roll where Scotty's the screener. You know, maybe you have issues where you're getting switches and you're not quite getting the advantages you want and the mismatches you want. But there aren't many teams around the league that have two guys who are equally equipped to both guard Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam on the same possession. And I just I think you can still find some pretty good mismatches and just advantages to create if you're running a little bit more with Scotty as the lead creator in a lot of these situations. Plus, you're putting Pas- sorry, Pascal as the lead creator. Plus, you're putting Scotty in a position where he's been awesome as a roller. And I think you can come up with some pretty fun lineups where you go small, where Scotty's your five, Pascal's your nominal point guard, and you sprinkle in Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Grady Dick, Otto Porter Jr., maybe, Jalen McDaniels, the guys who have shooting upside and shooting gravity around those guys to really help both Pascal and Scotty kind of achieve great heights. I, you know, I, I think there's this notion going around that, oh, these first few games proved the Scotty Pascal thing doesn't work. I don't think that's true. I just don't think they've been used in a way that really does work for this team just yet. And that's fine, right? Like this is going to be a process. It's going to take time to sort this offense out. But I kind of just think the subtle flip of Pascal kind of taking on those creation possessions that Dennis is currently occupying and leaving Dennis as more an off-ball guy, not just as a catch-and-shoot guy, but as someone who with a lightning quick first step can really punish shifting defenses I think that could be a pretty good, very subtle change to how they rock, you know, roll this offense out that could squeeze a little bit more than 78.1 points per 100 possessions, which is what they are currently doing in the half court right now. The number 30 half court offense in the league, by the way, number 29 is the Portland Trailblazers tonight opponent, tonight's opponent. And it's going to be, I think, a pretty nasty, ugly night for the Trailblazers against this very good Raptors defense, which has, again, been fantastic. And we will probably gush about the defense quite a bit over the course of this week as it's been a delight to watch. And they've been really good. They don't need to be amazing on offense. They don't need to be the 15th best half court offense for this team to really start turning some of these close losses into wins. It's really got to be like 22nd, 23rd, like just sort of on the edge of the middle of the pack as far as half-court efficiency goes. And this team should be able to really start racking up some wins with how good their defense is and how sort of stable and structured and balanced their defensive approach seems to be compared to what it was last year, where it was exhausting, it was gambling heavy, and all this stuff. I think they have a bit more of a healthy approach to defense. If they can get a little bit more out of what they're doing in the half-court, it does not going to take much. It's basically like the whole pressure's a chew a thing in the team, like embodied by the team where the defense is so bloody good. It doesn't take much for the offense to be passable uh, and to have them on the floor, have them on the floor and make it worth it. I think it's the very similar idea with just the general idea of the Raptors half court offense. The defense is fantastic. The half court offense has to be just merely bad and not truly terrible bottom of the league. And they should be able to start racking up some W's here. And again, Switch Pascal to be more of an on-ball creator. Get him back into that spot where we know he's been successful. Yes, maybe that invites a little bit more of the stuff that wasn't so pretty about last year, but I do think there's more stuff happening off the ball. And I just think, you know, you can have different styles of offense on different possessions. Keep teams guessing. Keep teams on their toes. And I think that can be a good thing as well. So more Pascal on the ball. Have him be your nominal point guard. I don't care. I think that could be a way to, A, utilize him more effectively, really help the Scotty Pascal duo thrive and grow, and just set up a better environment for the best players on this team to go and be the best players on the team. 
as opposed to Pascal spacing and waiting for balls to swing to him late in the clock where he has very little time and space and room to do stuff that needs to be done. We'll come back on the other side, round this thing out with the good, the bad, and the hmm from the weekend that was. We'll talk a little Nick Nurse. We'll talk a little bit at the end of that Bulls game, uh, and we'll get into the hmm as well to close out the show. Before we do that, however, I should tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel, who you got to check out. They right now are the number one sports book in all the land, and it is a super great time to score early this NFL season with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. That is awesome. Go check it out. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now with this $150 in bonus bets for any winning $5 money line bet. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And yes, this is a lot about football, but if you're a basketball fan, there's tons of action to go and check out over there on FanDuel as well. The season, there's games every single night, and FanDuel has lines for all of them, so you want to go check that out. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and, of course, the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we're rounding things out here, as we always do here on uh, game recap shows. We've got a couple games recapped on this one. The good, the bad, and the hmm. A thing I liked from the weekend, I think it didn't like so much, and a thing that I have my eye on that is at least a little bit intriguing or interesting in a good or bad way. We'll start with the good. I was uh, pretty happy to see that Nick Nurse got a full-on ovation when he returned on Saturday night. I know... There have been bad feelings about Nick Nurse, and it did not end well. Obviously, his comments in Philly, sort of before the end of last season, kind of spelled the end and pissed a lot of people off, and I think rightfully so. I don't think it was handled very well on Nick Nurse's end near the end of his time in Toronto, and very obviously, the messaging had worn thin, and Nick Nurse talked about this, right? Just kind of saying the move was due, not just for him, but for the Raptors as well. This is what happens with coaching. It's not a bad thing. It's fine. It's just the way it goes. But Nick Nurse was a fantastic coach. He was a really, really good coach. He won an NBA championship. Obviously, that kind of puts him in immortal status territory in the history of Toronto Raptors basketball, and that's very cool. I was a little concerned. You know, Raptors fans, we love Raptors fans, but they're also psychos, and you all know it. It's fine. Uh, you love, people like Raptors fans love to get aggrieved about stuff. I was a little concerned that with the way things ended with Nick Nurse and just sort of the general sentiment around Nurse kind of being a bit of an a-hole near the end of last season, uh, paraphrasing some things that have been said. I don't think anyone actually came out and said that. I'm just saying that because it seems like what was going on. 
you know, you pair that with Darko Ryakovich coming in and everyone being like, wow, a coach who texts us and talks to us. This is wonderful. I thought there might be a bit of like a negative reaction to the introducing of Nick Nurse in that game on Saturday. But no, a nice tribute. Well done, Raptors, on the video tribute. And I think well done by the fans to, uh, you know, not be aggrieved about it and show the appreciation for Nick Nurse, who was a fantastic coach. We got a lot out of this roster, a lot out of a lot of rosters that didn't have a lot to squeeze either. Um, you know, very good, very good times. We 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 missed having Nick. Or we like to have Nick Nurse as the coach. I don't miss having him as a coach anymore. Like I think it's fine. I think the the move was again good for everybody. But I'm glad that he got the recognition he deserved. And maybe I'm creating straw men and in, in, in suggesting that there was any chance he was going to get booed. It seemed like I was seeing that out there a little bit in some of the online circles where I hang out. I'm glad that didn't happen. Nick Nurse, very good coach. Now, uh, hope they lose all the games in Philly, and uh, it's very unpleasant. Uh, let's go to the bad. It's just the end of that Bulls game. Like, a lot of bad stuff, man. You're up 15 with four minutes left. You can't bungle that away. Very stupid Barnes turnover. Uh, not great. The fouling. Look, do I think the DeMar DeRozan foul with Chris Boucher leaping out at him was a foul? No, I thought we were kind of getting rid of this unnatural shooting motion stuff. Maybe that was just a one-year sort of pretend thing the league cared about. I don't know, but that didn't look so good. I, I know Boucher closed out very hard. But I felt like he gave him space on his landing. I don't know. It, it, I'm not here to get mad about refs. I think the refs are bad for both teams all the time, and it comes out in the wash, but... It did feel like Alex Caruso was kind of getting to manhandle anyone he wanted. DeMar DeRozan doing his thing. You know, it, the, the refs tilted things a little bit. I guess the two-minute report was not pretty. Uh, but ultimately, don't blow a 15-minute lead in the last four minutes, and you don't have to worry about what the refs are doing. Um, you know, I thought, obviously, OG going out with the calf injury. He missed the game Saturday. Hopefully, he's back tonight. I think he's questionable as of right now. Um, but him going out. It was kind of a bummer to see they didn't really have another answer for DeMar DeRozan. Obviously, OG is one of the best wing defenders alive. You're not going to replicate what he does against DeMar, which is typically uh, make DeMar's life a living hell. Uh, but not having anyone who could sort of passably jump into that role and kind of tie up DeMar in those final few minutes, that was tough. He just kind of got loose in that last few minutes after OG went out. And that was a little bit upsetting to pressure that you would not handle that assignment. Obviously he was playing more of a center role in this game. So maybe not. I don't think that's Scotty Barnes's bag. You know, OG is important as it turns out, his defense is very good and not having it against tomorrow. I think was really bad. Obviously defensive rebounding off of free throws, pretty bad. <laughs> like you gotta be able to rebound when the other team misses free throws. You have the advantage. Your guys are closer to the basket. You should be able to get those happen too often. Um, you don't think they ran enough in that game or, or like over, I guess they ran enough against the, the Bulls. They didn't run enough against Philly. This is now I'm slipping into other bads I wrote from the weekend, but, uh, we'll save those for another time if they continue as trends. But the, the thing with the, just the, the sloppiness to close that game really upsetting. Didn't enjoy it one bit. Um, but we'll see. I, I, uh, I don't think we'll see a game that crazy and stupid and nonsensical again this season. It was one of the more crazy, stupid, nonsensical games I've ever seen. So hopefully they don't have some sort of uh, recurrence of that insane series of events ever again. Hopefully they learn from it. But I do think it does maybe portend this team's not going to be great in the clutch. They got to get their work done early because the offense late in games is not going to be pretty once it boils down to a half court battle. 
that's kind of the prevailing takeaway from that game. You know, obviously the little things that went wrong were bad, but um, this is not going to be a good clutch team. I, I feel pretty good about that. And they're going to have to really kind of put teams away early if they want to rack up wins, unless they can figure out a way to, you know, reimagine that half court offense, perhaps with Pascal Siakam more at the helm of the controls. Let's go to the hmm. One thing I am kind of keeping an eye on is do they keep going to this four man bench thing? four bench guys with Scotty Barnes most of the time you know it's not really doing it for me especially when some of the guys are Malachi Flynn and like uh, Precious Achua and Chris Boucher at the same time I think you can kind of only have one of those guys I would really like to see those units just go full spam the shooting just go Grady go uh Gary Tread Jr go OG Ananobi maybe can you get Otto Porter Jr in there and really just have Scotty Barnes Kind of be your nominal backup point guard. I don't need to see Malachi Flynn play backup point guard anymore. I'm sorry. I just don't. I know we had a nice game-ish against the Sixers on offense. Defensively, he is what he is defensively. Um, you know, hit a couple threes. That's good to see. But I, I think running Scotty just kind of as your lead ball handler in those second units with as much shooting as you can possibly put out there would be great. I also don't think I need to see Scotty and four bench guys. The beauty of this team, I think, can be that of the top six guys – there are combinations of those six guys who blend together beautifully and can fit really nicely alongside one another. We might actually do like a matchmaker style episode about this with Vivek coming up soon. Uh, maybe tonight we'll have a little segment on it. Either way, I think they can create lineups where there are two starters basically on the floor at all times or two of the top six guys on the floor at all times with the other bench guys kind of sprinkled in between. Um, you know, two starters could totally work though. You don't need to even have to, like you don't need to set yourself up where you're just kind of sticking yourself out there with four subpar players. And again, I don't think all the bench guys are subpar. They've played subpar so far, so it's looking worse than it will. But I just think you have six pretty good players. Pair those guys up and have at least two of them on the floor. Their skills complement one another, right? Like I think Dennis Schroeder working with Jakob Pertl can be a good thing. Or Dennis Schroeder working with, uh, you know, OG Ananobi can be a good thing. I think Scotty working with Scott or with Pascal or, or Pascal working with Yak or anyone working with Gary Trent Jr. shooting off of them can work. And they just haven't really quite tapped into any of those more interesting combinations within the bench just yet. We'll see. Maybe they figure out this Scotty and bench thing and it's really good and they find a group that really works. Maybe Otto Porter Jr. finds his way in there. Maybe more Grady Dick is, is what you know ramps this up. We'll see. But uh, I got my eye on this sort of bench rotation and how they figure out these in-between lineups because I'm not really super keen on the one starter plus four bench guys situation as of right now. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in again tonight after the game against the Blazers. Vivek and I will be on here to talk about it live. So keep an eye out. We would uh, love to see you on the YouTube channel. The audio, of course, will be posted as Tuesday, po Tuesday's podcast episode as well. Uh, so hopefully we see you there. Uh, in the meantime, thank you so much for tuning into the show. And uh, please subscribe, follow, rate, review, et cetera, et cetera. All the good stuff. Appreciate everyone who supports the show and rocks with it. And we'll be back again tonight. Talk Raptors Blazers. Till then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.